1: Podcast. This is the preview show again. Uh, we are looking ahead to the Clarets' next Premier League fixture, which is an away tie at Aston Villa this coming weekend. We're looking back on that disappointing Boxing Day defeat um, against Liverpool. Different kickoff times, different decisions, but the same result, unfortunately, for Clarets, leaving us with yet another defeat in this season's struggling Premier League campaign. We've got Tom on this week, who's also going to look back a little bit further to that Fulham game, and we talk about the Clarets making a couple of steps forward and a couple of steps back. It's a little bit of a roller coaster of a season. And then Statman Dave is going to be joining us with all of the stats, facts and information that you need ahead of the Clarets next game. So, buckle up, let's go. Tom, Dave, how are you both? Welcome back.
2: Thanks, Nalia. Well, well fed after Christmas. looking forward to uh looking forward to dissecting those performances.
1: Yeah, definitely. We're all just a little bit. We're in that post Christmas. What day is it? I've had chocolate for breakfast again, but... How are you, Dave? <laughs> are you lethargic as well?
3: Uh, yeah, they say that the camera puts pounds on you, but uh, I think uh, Christmas... <laughs> <Yeah.
1: is it? laughs> Let's go with that. Yes, it's not us, listeners. It's the turkey and... Well, not for me, but the uh, it's the cheese and the wine and the chocolate. Let's go there. Um, Tom, we're going to kick off straight away, actually, by looking back at that Liverpool fixture. The Clout's at home on Boxing Day against Liverpool. One of those that's been... You know, put in that um bonus game um bracket that we get. Liverpool course doing very well this season, top of the league, um, looking for a title challenge. We didn't necessarily expect to get any points from that, but with some better performances recently and some a win, drab belt, particularly away at Fulham, we we're all feeling a little bit optimistic that the clarets would at least be challenging again in this game and would make a, a performance out of it. Wasn't the case in the second half, uh, sorry, in the first half. We had to wait until the last 35 minutes before the Clarets got going. But I guess I'm going to hand over to you. What did you make of that Liverpool game and, uh, I guess, the performance before we go any further?
2: Yeah, I think you can take what you want from it, really. There's a lot of people who are uh, perhaps slightly more on the glass half side of things than I am, who were saying, you know, it was a really no. good performance. there was a battle, <laughs> of, you know. We haven't had a lot of fight in some of these games this season, so there was definitely more of that, um, as you say, in that that last 35 minutes. We caused them problems, obviously, without actually getting a shot on target, but we did have some decent chances to score. Um, So that was encouraging. We we stayed in the game for a long period as well. I think if you're you're on the glass-off, empty side, you could say, well, for an hour, we weren't really competing. I think the performance was just as bad as Spurs or Chelsea. I think the difference was
1: either Mm -hmm. Liverpool
2: not taking the chances or having a couple of goals disallowed that were pretty fortuitous, really. I mean, I think, yeah. you know, we all remember the, the VAR calls that go against us, and but there's two two there, really, that certainly one of them, I, I, the, the, the disallowed goal for the foul on Taylor, I have no idea. I, what that,
1: no that idea. Was. Yeah, none at all. And um, actually, but, I thought the offside was a weird one as well, to be honest. I don't...
2: Yeah,
1: yeah that looked yeah. a shocker. Yeah.
2: It was it was borderline, wasn't it? And then, so, and but we're not good enough to take advantage, unfortunately, of, of these kind of things when they happen to us. And and as you said at the start, you know Liverpool are a good side, and you'd be daft ready to expect us to beat them. And and the the last 35 minutes did give us a bit of hope that if if we can perform in that manner against weaker teams, that we'll get some points. And and you know we could we could hardly get less points at home could we in the second half of the season? So hopefully, when the fixtures get a bit easier at the turf and and we improve. That level of performance will see us at least hopefully make some inroads into, into uh <laughs> breaking Derby County's record at the very least.
1: <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. Um yeah, I'm not entirely confident that's gonna happen yet. But I think I think for me, I've resigned myself to the fact that if we do survive this season, we will finish 17th and it will be very, very close. It might even go down to some weird goal difference, or so there'll be a one point, actually, I don't think it'd be, if it goes to goal difference, it'll probably go down, but I think it's going to be a very, very close survival if we get there. So I'm trying to spend this season now trying to salvage what I can in terms of possible po- positivities and plans going forward in the future. And one of the things that we have been critical of this season, as you rightly say, is that fight and that desire. I definitely saw that in that last 35 minutes, Tom. I th- saw a determination. And I, th- I think in the first half, for me, we looked resigned to defeat. I didn't see any players coming out in that first half who didn't just expect to get beat. And it was, they didn't, there wasn't the effort there. There wasn't an intensity. There wasn't a drive. It was just, and particularly for the first goal. And then just, it was it was a really weak and lacklustre performance for me. So I want to see this side starting to fight because fans want that. They want to see their players not being walked over and they want to at least make their teams that like, earn the three points against them. So, I guess from what you saw in that last 35 minutes, what do the climates need to take from that to expand that into the whole of the game and to get more than just having one half of football in them? Which you were there, you saw at Fulham terrible first half, brilliant second half. What do they, what elements are we picking out of that?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, Belief is probably quite a big thing. Um, you know, it's pretty understandable that a team who, who loses as often as we do would like that. Um, I think at Fulham, as you say, the first half, we were, we were poor. We weren't really in the game. And we have sort of scored a wonder goal out of nowhere. And then it, we suddenly had something to hang on to. And, and I think that's where the fight and the battle came from. And I think similar in that Liverpool game, you know, it was uh, the disallowed goal, the second disallowed goal. And, and I think then the crowd started to feel like, mm, maybe this is our day. You know, we've had some luck at last um, there was the big tackle from Charlie Taylor on Mo Salah a couple of months later. Oh
1: my God! By the it. way, <laughs>
2: it felt like uh, it felt like the die days again, didn't it, with that tackle? And and then I think well, then the crowd is up for it, and then the players feed off that I Yeah. Get a belief comes back in. So it's just harnessing that, and it's difficult to do because uh, you know, as you say, a lot of a lot of games we're playing, we we are second best. We we aren't a great team this season, um, but we we have shown on occasions we can do it. You know. Um, I know Sheffield United aren't a brilliant side, but we absolutely pasted them, you know, we yeah. patched them handily. Fulham is has got to be the blueprint, I think. It was it was quite a, a daishian performance in a way. It was nicking goals and it and, and just solid control in the game thereafter. We haven't seen that very often where we've been in control of games. We know that every time we've gone behind this season we've gone on to lose the game. So that's something again that tells you that I think there's probably a mental component to it as much as anything else. So yeah, that's I think Scoring goals at good times will be helpful, you know, trying to get in front in a few more games. Yeah. And, and, you know, belief, whether or not we believe we're going to survive uh, necessarily. But if if we have the belief just to start picking a few more points, get a bit more confidence, maybe go on some... Uh, we need to put a big run together at some point now in the second half of the season Yeah. If we give ourselves any chance. And we need to like start to by back-to-back to
1: back back to back wins. wins. That would be a really... Yes. Like a really that would stop that... Roller coaster of of step forward, step back all the time. It's like okay. we've never, we've never had momentum this season ever. The only momentum we've had is a really long losing streak, which is has such a difficult and such a negative impact on the squad and the fans. And I think just picking up on what you said there, Tom, which I just want to expand on. Um, this isn't a criticism of the board. I compl- I, I, I'm, I sit on the fan advisory board with George and Charlotte, and we were very excited about. The board's plans to try and increase fan experience at Turf more. I, I understand where they're coming from, and I bought into the enthusiasm there. The flag policy, I don't agree with it. I think that was just something that d- just didn't quite work. And Saturday, for, no, it wasn't Saturday. Tuesday, the Boxing Day game for me showed exactly how you you do increase that that crowd experience and that noise at Turf more. You can still do that when you're on the losing side, as we saw. It's that fight. That's what fans react to. It was that 35 minutes when we were suddenly trying and we had the brilliant order bird running down the, the wing and Charlie Taylor feeding off him. And Charlie Charlie actually put it, like putting in those tackles and running down the wing and, and really going third, fourth, fifth gear, sweat coming off him is absolutely knackered trying to just keep us in the game. That's what we react to. That is when you get us on our feet shouting and screaming for these players and getting behind them. That's what we've been missing, right?
2: Yeah, I think that's right. So many games where, I mean, the the obvious examples are Spurs and Chelsea. We concede one goal and then it's two, then it's three, then it's four. And the heads drop very quickly. As, as I say, coming back to that stat about not having come from behind all season. I mean, not even to get a draw, you know. And, and if we were a team that could just Hanging a bit more like we did at yep. Brighton, nick a point. You know, if we'd have drawn that game against West Ham, say even, or we'd have ma- uh, managed the late equaliser and drawn at home to Palace, you'd still have felt disappointed at the points dropped. But you would have got something, you know. Yeah. Man United at home, we shouldn't be losing that game. That should have been a minimum. Oh. Um, and uh, it, yeah, it, I, I think when you said before about not having put back-to-back wins together, I, I think I'm right in saying we haven't actually put back-to-back results of any of no. any trying together this season. I think every time we've got a point or a win, we've lost the next game.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's so, right, Dave. We we shall do, so, we yeah. shall deflect to the expert. If only we had a ready-made stat man <laughs> on the show. Ta-da! Yeah, no, you're right.
2: <laughs> yeah. So things like that tell you a lot, don't they? It's, yeah. It, we, and hey, I think we're starting to see that now. I think there's there's been a lot of talk about how companies learning and companies and one of the things that I really had a down on him about was that he was saying, you know, we're going to stick to this no matter what. We're going to play our way. And he no. thinks, well, it's, well, it's yeah. rubbish and it doesn't get you any it's points. It's not but working. He's <laughs> yeah. kind of admitting more and more we're, we're kind of moving to a bit more of a, you know, muck in, keep, keep it tight, keep, be a bit more defensive. I think we're much more willing to, to play the ball long when we need to. Yeah.
1: we saw um, it a couple um, of times. Yeah, yeah. The, the the absolutely brilliant Trafford who is... Who has really turned a corner over the last few? It's like so many fans have been really critical of him this season, and I understand why. I've I've very much been in that camp. I never understood. I thought muric was very harshly done by. I thought it was his shirt to lose, or at least to try and keep hold of. Um, and Trafford just wasn't ready in the early stages, and and it's very frustrating to watch. This past few games, I've seen confidence in him, and I thought again he had an absolutely brilliant game against Liverpool. Um. He perhaps didn't face as many chances as we thought we maybe did. I think Liverpool um they weren't it wasn't a relentless peppering of his goal anyway. I think it was you know he he was able to have breathing space between them. Um and I think he's really helped and we saw that where he was just stopped for a second and it's Slightly hypocritical of us as fans when we analyse this because one of the things we said about Trafford at the beginning of the season was he's holding up his delay delaying play. He doesn't distribute it as well as Miric does. So we, we know it's, it's stop tight, it's inviting pressure. We didn't realise that actually we needed more of that, not less because we needed just to stop for a minute and not play the ball out too quickly and lose possession and invite that pressure back on ourselves. And that was something that we as fans didn't realise, I think, at the beginning of the season. But picking up on what you said then, Tom, one of the other comments that the company has said this week is that he's excited by the group of young players that we have and he would pay to watch them. And I think when it comes to our forward players like Kolliosho and Odebert, I'm doing I'm a huge fan of, I think he's a great player. I completely agree with that. And I would I do enjoy and we saw those little pockets against Liverpool of really exciting attacking brilliance. But I want to stop company and say that's all good and well, but what about the defence, which still is letting us down, Tom?
2: Hmm. And to be honest as well, as <clears throat> exciting as it is to watch Otterberg, Trezor, um, Coyo yeah. show, Did, how often do they, do you get an end product? You know, quite how often in a game will amdouni or Trezor beat three or four men and then, and just then put it in the back of the back yeah, yeah. lamp it yeah. into stand? Yeah. You saw and you know, no shots on target on Tuesday. There was some great build up there. Thought Trezor looked really good at fishing the first half and he was on the ball beat yeah. three or four. But then I mean I couldn't tell you if he's a good finisher or because I don't think we've ever actually seen him have a shot. No, nope.
1: nope, uh, I think you're
2: right. His, his crossing looks better than Brown Hills, but whether that, you know that's that's damning with faint praise. I,
1: I love I love Brown Hill so much, but oh Brownie, your crosses, man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. Why is the
1: <laughs> your corners me? your corners and your crosses i i love him i genuinely love him but yeah just just step away from that element of the game brown carry yeah. on sorry
2: <laughs> so i think uh, as much as they are good players and and you can see like with trafford like you can see in a couple of years he will be a, good, uh, a really good player i think and i think yeah. he did some great work with norwich he got so much better with um crosses and things like that at the second half of last season and if they develop Trafford like they did that, then he'll, he'll be a good player in a couple of years. And it's the same with like you can see Trezor and Duni, Colio. These are going to be good players, I think. They've got ability, but we're not getting enough out of them at the minute. And it's as much as the defence has been really bad this season. Like I, uh, we don't score enough goals. You know, we, we no. haven't got a lot up front, especially without Foster and obviously Foster still just getting back to fitness. Um, in the last. Two good though on about- Saturday?
1: At Tuesday, sorry. It looked
2: good to yeah, roster, I think. getting mm-hmm. back there, second half of, of that game, he looked better, yeah, for sure. Um, but I think the last two games we've had two shots on target. Um, they've both gone in. You know, the, the, the goal from Cogliosi, uh, Cogliosi, sorry, Oliver at Fulham was yeah. brilliant. Burr's took his goal well. And then, you know, you can say after that you don't need any more shots on target because you're tuning up and you're you controlling the game. Correct, that's, that's yeah. What, you know, it's not acceptable, I don't think, to have zero shots on target in a home game. It doesn't matter who you're playing. And especially in a position where you need in wins, you need in points at home. So uh, as much as you say the defence has been bad and, and as sometimes it's fun to watch us, you know, sometimes we are exciting when we attack, but how often does that excitement actually translate into forcing the keeper to make a good say, scoring a goal, winning yeah. a penalty, anything like that. You know, the end product isn't there for a lot of these players I and mean, we have too many players who are, who are so similar in that regard as well. So, uh, yeah, I think it's all very well for company to say you would like to, pay to watch these players as someone who does pay to watch them every week uh, <laughs> yeah
1: we do <laughs> the reality of how exciting it
2: is perhaps is not quite there just yet maybe in a couple of <laughs> years time but not not quite there just yet
1: yeah definitely um okay good stuff let's move on to um the next game then please now Dave there is a little bit of a an error in my script I opened a script in readiness to start recording today and there's a section missing and I'm not happy about it. And I'm not going to be the one to break this news to our listeners. You can, since this is your initiative.
3: Well, the section's there, if you look carefully. And what
1: does it say? Tell our listeners what you've done.
3: Uh, It says we've decided to retire the quiz for the second half of this season to make room for a much loved returning feature later in the show. More about that a little bit later.
1: And and listeners, when, when we say we... This was the royal we. I had no input in this at all. I apparently have absolutely no control over my own show, which is great. And I know that the, the, the previous show is, is Dave's baby and he puts in a hell of a lot of work to, to prepare it and I'm very grateful to it. But he just it went rogue again and just decided to bin the quiz. So for all of our listeners who love the quiz... I'm going to have words off air and I'll see what I can do for the rest of the season. Um, so, Dave, um, with that in mind, disappointing our listeners once again, um, we're going to go straight on to then previewing the next show. It is Saturday, the 30th of December. It's a 3pm kickoff away at Aston Villa, not shown anywhere live in the UK. Kick us off, please, with your match results summary.
3: OK, our league rivalry goes back over 135 years as both clubs were founder members of the English Football League in 1888. The current campaign is the 50th that both clubs have spent together in the top flight, and there have been just three in the second tier. Our 52 previous away league meetings against Aston Villa, starting off at Wellington Road and then at Villa Park since 1899, have produced a measly eight Burnley wins, plus 15 draws and 29 defeats. Burnley are averaging just over a goal a game with 53 but have conceded a whopping 117 times
1: gosh that's not that's not a great uh, that's not a great start to the previous show is it i wonder if we can uh like maybe do something about that on on saturday who knows okay new feature one to remember and one to forget it's the second half of this season and we're going to continue the one to remember one to forget feature for the reverse set of features this time as always we'll remind you of two past matches which were memorable for very contrasting reasons dave kick us off with match one please
3: Uh, Yeah, although Burnley suffered a 10-0 away defeat at Villa Park, that was in the opening match of the 1925-26 season, we've decided to revisit a more recent debacle, as I want to forget, this time. Uh, The match in question was from February 2010. Brian Laws's Clarets faced Martin O'Neill's Aston Villa in a Sunday afternoon kickoff in front of the Sky Sports cameras and 1,191 Burnley fans made the trip to the Midlands. Chelsea Loney, Jack Cork, was in the Burnley starting 11. Although Stephen Fletcher gave us the lead in the 10th minute, it was 1-1 at the break, with Ashley Young scoring a 32nd-minute equaliser for the home side. That was followed by four goals in 13 minutes, as Stuart Downing, twice, Emil Heskey, and Gabby Abonlahore put Villa into an unassailable 5-1 lead. Burnley did pull back a late consolation through substitute Martin Patterson. I was in stoppage time, but the writing had been on the wall as soon as the second-half goal, Avalanche, had taken place. For those of you who like to hear the headlines, I know some of you do, the Burnley Express went with Calamity Clarets. It's another dismal road trip.
1: Oh dear, this is like, that could be this season. Uh, Nice memories of that game, Tom. I'm going to say no.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I was at that one. Uh, I remember very excited when we went, won the loop. Stephen Fletcher scored, and uh, yeah, I was wishing I was somewhere else by full time.
1: Yeah, I bet you were. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
0: Picture the scene: all of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football—perfect! Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18-plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
1: Okay, let's get on to better ones then. Match two, uh, Dave, which is our one to remember, please.
3: Yeah, since that 5-2 defeat in 2010, Burnley are actually unbeaten in four Premier League away matches at Aston Villa, uh, with one win followed by a run of three draws. Although in between times, we did lose at Villa Park in the League Cup in October 2010. But for our one to remember, we're turning the clock back over 50 years to the 1972-73 season and a match from early January 1973. Match highlights were shown on ITV by ATV, who chose the Division Two clash between Vic Crow's Villa side and Jimmy Adamson's high-flying clarets. Leaders Burnley were looking to build momentum with an impressive performance and result at Villa Park. And first-half goals from Keith Newton, and Jeff Nulty provided a 2-0 lead at the break. Billy Ingham scored his first goal for the club three minutes into the second half to help us to a 3-0 away win. That victory kept Burnley at the top of the second division table, with Villa in fifth place, and the Burnley Express headline asked the question, who can stop Burnley now? The answer was no-one, as the season ended well with promotion as title winners and a return to the top flight at the second attempt. With only two promotion places and no playoffs, Villa finished in third place that season and had to spend another two seasons in Division 2 before they were able to secure another promotion.
1: Good stuff. That's a better one to end on. Uh, With no opposition view this week, I'm afraid we are still struggling to um, get hold of some of our opposition fans in a very, very packed seasonal fixture. So I'm going to hand straight back over to you, Dave, please, for the referee details.
3: OK, 41-year-old Stuart Atwell of Nuneaton will be in charge for Burnley's visit to Villa Park this weekend. He first refereed us back in 2009. That was for a 3-3 draw against Manchester City at the City of Manchester Stadium. Burnley have five wins and four defeats... Uh, sorry, eight, five wins, eight draws and four defeats in 17 previous matches, including a 4-1 home defeat to Chelsea as recently as October. He saw fit to send off Nottingham Forest's Henry Lansbury and Newcastle United's Andy Carroll, but these were his only two dismissals in those previous 17 matches. Peter Banks is in charge of the goal prevention technology this Saturday, as he's <laughs> been appointed as the video assistant referee for this fixture.
1: Very good. Love it. Dave, Dave, Tom, Tom. Get in my Dave's and my Tom's mix up. Tom. Have we got any chance against Villa? Villa have been a surprise package this season. Um, They've got a fantastic coach. They've cultivated a really great squad and have come out flying and and have made themselves genuine contenders for a headline finish this season. Um, Absolutely pasted us at turf. We didn't really stand a chance. Um, Can we expect to get anything from this game? And what is the minimum that you want to see?
2: Um, I think it's a good time to play them. Uh, obviously, the winning run at home came to an end last, last week. They, they dropped points out to Sheffield United, so you think if they can go there and get something, there's no reason we can't. And then, obviously, what happened at Old Trafford on, on Tuesday, I don't know if that's a, a positive or a negative, really. I, you, you never know if like, they'll be on the floor a bit after the way they lost that game or yeah. it's kind of gonna, we're going to get the backlash from it. Um, but they're, they're a really good side this year, Villa, and you did that to yeah, they've they, they've had a they've had a great season. So uh, I'm not not expecting a lot. I think what I, uh, uh, what I'd like to see basically is a is a continuation of the sort of performance level we got in the second half against Liverpool. Yeah. Maybe create a little bit more, as I say, or or be better with the finishing. But I think as long as there's a bit of a bit of a battle, a bit of a, a bit of fight, I think generally speaking, away from home, we have been a lot better than we have been at home this season. Even. Um, I know we've not played many of the big sides away, but Arsenal, you know, it's quite a spirited performance, got a goal down there as well. Um, So, you'd like to think that at least we'll put in a bit of fight, give a good account of ourselves, not not take too much of a hit on the goal difference. And if we can get anything points-wise, that'll be a, a fantastic return for the Christmas period. I think if you'd have offered me probably three points from Liverpool, Fulham and Villa, I'd have been probably happy with that at the start. So, if we get anything in this game, it's going to be a bonus, really.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Ful- Fulham was the one that we were all eyeing up to, that we had a chance to. And I think if we'd have dropped, either got none or just one point there, it would have been a disappointing return. But like you say, if we can just get a point away at Villa, that's that's a fantastic result. And I would like to see us trying to get some points off some of these bigger sides, one of those fluke results that, like you say, some of our relegation rivals have already got multiples of these this season. That's how we've survived in the past. You've got to you've got to take advantage of those freak results if you're going to survive. Um in terms of lineups and positioning, um the lineup I think on Saturday was probably one of the strongest, if not the strongest that we could hope for right now, with the exception for me of of dropping O'Shea, poor lad, and um putting Ekdal in 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 his place oh, yeah. when he's fit. Um Obviously, he's injured at the moment, so there's not a lot we can do with that. But do you, I don't think there's any more changes, is there, Dave? I think we've got all 11 available again. Do you make any uh, well, changes?
3: He started with Trezor, didn't he, against yes, Liverpool? Yes, instead that of Larson. Yeah. I think I might be more tempted to have Trezor as a and a start to uh, yeah. Larson.
1: And who would you start instead, Dave? Uh, JBL or JBG?
3: Um, I think it's much of a muchness. I think both have, have done reasonably well this season when they've come in, and both are able to adapt and, and come on as substitutes. So, you've got the option with, with either of those two. I, I think may, maybe a preference for um, uh, Jacob Bruin Larson starting and then JBG uh, coming uh, in
1: later, yeah. later on. I don't think they that much of a muchness. I think Larson's way, 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 way better than Goodmunson, but um, that's just because he's younger and faster. and just a slightly better quality. That's not a slight on JBG.
2: What about you, Tom? Do you make any changes? I think I'd be tempted to go JBG, actually. I just think he's a bit more yeah. defensive-minded. I think he works harder than the majority of the wings we've got. You know, yeah. And Dooney's... When we when we don't have the ball, And Dooney might as well not be on the pitch. And it's similar for Trezor as well. So,
1: Luxury think, players. Aren't yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. And yeah. you
2: struggle to carry them, I think. And I think Good Munson is very much the opposite. He's not always... Um, you know, He's certainly not, as you say the most talented of the the wingers we've got uh, on the ball, but I think he works the hardest of any of them. He's got that
1: experience, right? He knows, like, how much have we seen, and we've relied on Charlie Taylor this season, um, and Jay when he's been called on, just to give us that little bit of extra um, lack of naivety. Uh, You know, just that been there, done there, got the scars from it, and I know what to do here.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, So, for me, I think I'd go for him, at least at the first hour, and then see how the game's going, and, we, that's one, one good thing about the squad this season is we've got a lot of quality to bring off from the bench.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it would
2: even be quite tempted to maybe play Redmond as well. I, I sort of didn't bother saying it because mm-hmm. I don't think he's ever going to give him more than five minutes off the bench. But again, it's that experience. And I think he when he comes on, he tends to come on in that Amdini position. And I think I'll, I I think Amdini could do his resting, to be honest, just because he's not... He isn't scoring. He's not assisting. And like I say, if he's not doing that, he's not doing anything. He doesn't work particularly hard. So I think it'd be quite interesting to see what we were like and if we were more solid if we had Redmond, Goodmanson, and uh, uh, Odebert as the, as the three behind Foster. Yeah, that. Nah, miles. I'd be happy it.
1: with that. Yeah, that'd be a nice one to watch. Don't mind that at all. Give me a score prediction, then, please, Tom.
2: Uh, let's. We'll go hard over and say two one Ben.
1: Oh, I love it, Dave.
3: Uh one one draw.
1: Oh, for goodness sake. I'm gonna say one nil Burnley. Let us know what you think, Clara. It's gonna have your score predictions. You know how to get in touch. We want to know whether you're going head or heart. We're all going heart here, for sure. Uh right, Dave. Uh before we finish off, we have um the return of our famous fans feature, I believe. Go ahead. I'm not happy about did, this, by the way.
3: Yeah. But... we well, we For the second half of the season, we can only do it really once for half the season, otherwise we're repeating ourselves. Uh, But for the second half of the season, we are looking at uh, famous opposition fans. And our six famous Villa fans, for your consideration, in no particular order, are uh, Birmingham-born cricketer, Chris Wokes, age 34. He's an all-rounder, also known as The Wizard, who has represented England and Warwickshire. Uh, Next up, former Prime Minister, Call Me Dave a.k.a. Baron Cameron of Chipping norton Age 57, he made a surprise return to the government in 2023 as Foreign Secretary via the House of Lords. Uh, for a long time, we would count the Prince of Wales among a list of celebrity Burnley fans, but no more. The death of Queen Elizabeth II meant that the title passed from Charles to William, and it's the latter, age 41, who's been connected with Aston Villa. Uh, Next up, Ozzy Osbourne, age 75, uh, singer, Black Sabbath frontman, also known as the Prince of Darkness. Uh, Also, perhaps surprisingly, Tom Hanks, age 67, well-known famous US actor and filmmaker. And finally, um, Nigel Kennedy, age 67, classical violinist, born in Brighton apparently, but he's a lifelong Villa fan, so uh, he's in The Six as well. What do you make of those six and how would you... Score them out of 10.
1: I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty impressive list, I'm not going to lie. Dave, ex-Prime Minister, brings it down a little bit for me. Not, not a fan. Um, but other than that, it's a spectacular list. And I do love the way that you suddenly think that we're disappointed that the Prince of Wales is no longer a Burnley fan. The King is instead. That's a pretty decent upgrade I'm gonna go with. Like, you know, Villa can keep the Prince of Wales, we'll have the King instead. Um, I mean that's I, I know I, we put this to the to the non and ever team before we went on air, and I know um I'll save yours, Tom, because you're gonna give it live on air. But I know um George said it was a number seven. He was hampered by the inclusion of Cameron and William. Not a fan of either of those, so he said no. Uh producer Matt also said Dodgy Dave brings it down, so it's an eight from me. Um Dave, uh Tom, I, I, that's going to be the last time I'm going to call you Dave this episode. Tom, we know what your score was. Want to tell our listeners what you thought of that list?
2: Yeah, I went for an eight as well. And I think uh, I'm leaving the, the politics and the rest out of it. I think the fact that David Cameron couldn't actually remember which team he supported suggests to me that he's perhaps not as much of a, a massive Villa fan as, as some of the others claim to be. Correct. But other than that, it's a, it's a pretty good list, to be fair. And I, I think um, I know... Prince William and um, Tom Hanks do actually go to the games and they what They are
1: proper fans, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll give yeah. them
2: that. And um, yeah, you can tell oh, we're in thanks. the Premier League now with the caliber of these uh, opposition fans. Aren't and, <laughs> do you remember we no, did it last season? <laughs>
1: there's
2: no giant um, anthropomorphic pies in that list either, so that's. Uh, that's challenging something,
1: I think. I loved. I absolutely loved that last season when we had the pie. Dave's rules like they must, they must be alive. They must be. They can't be a chairman. They can't be. And then we had a pie. Anyway, the regular listeners will remember that feature. Uh, David, it's a very solid eight from me as well. Please, I can't get past the old politics on there. I'm afraid David Cameron brings it down for me. So otherwise, it would have been a nine. Uh, I think
3: i was going to mention that, that as well, is David Cameron's actually the nephew of former Aston Villa chairman, Sir William Dugdale. So that might be where the link comes. But yes, yeah. as Tom rightly pointed out, he couldn't remember which team he supported. He thought he was West Ham, didn't he? Got the colours right and that was about it. Um, despite that, um, I think it's a strong lineup, and I'm uh, minded to go along with you two and uh, score an eight for that. There you
1: go, eight. Aston Villa fans, are first episode of your celebrity Fantasy season. You, you go straight to the top of the league with an eight, and that's going to take some beating this season, so well done. Um, okay, before we leave, we're going to give you an FPL update. Um, our FPL expert, Adam, has given us a recorded, a very quick piece on what's been going on over the festive fixture, so I'm going to hand it straight over to you.
4: Good evening, and welcome to the No Name Never podcast. It's Adam here with your December FPL update. Um, I'm going to start off with the form team at the moment, go through a bit of a league table update, and then a few um, a few hints and tips for the upcoming weeks. It's going to be eventful. Um, so, yeah, with the form team at the moment, uh, you've got Pickford uh, in goal. Um, we're averaging 5.5 points over the last six game weeks. Everton keeping clean sheets for fun under Daesh. um, And Pickford being probably performing the most consistently, as done in his whole career. Into the defence, you've got Alexander Arnold and Van Dijk from Liverpool, who've hit some form and uh, showed showed that at the turf at the weekend, even though Burnley did put in a good performance. Joined by Sinezi at Bournemouth, whose results, unfortunately, have picked up over the last month or two. Um, He's averaging eight points a game at the moment. Uh, Into the midfield, uh, some familiar names there. Uh, Son, um, the most informed player, um, other than Alexander-Arnold at the moment. Um, Kudus, McNeil, Salah and Richarlison. So no surprises there, but um, a few watchouts that three of those players won't be available from game week 21, as I'll mention um, later on in the update. And then up front, uh, two surprise names, actually. Uh, Dominic Solanke um, firing a hat-trick in last week in bonus win at Forrest. And uh, talking of uh, Forest, Chris Wood, uh, with another ha- with another Premier League hat trick, um, following on from uh, when he did it for us at Wolves a few years ago, um, scoring a surprise uh, a surprise treble at Newcastle at the weekend. Nice for them to feel um, feel the force of uh, of Chris Wood after uh, they stole him uh, offers in that fateful season. Um, next up, I'm going to do a no in ever league table update. Uh, We are mid-game week, but I'm just going to tell you the names of the top three currently um, who are doing very well. So, Jim Buchan um, is in third place with 1,119 points. Aaron Flanagan in second, 1,129 points, and leading the way with Red Red Twine. Um, A good 18-point lead is Jake Edwards. Well done, Jake. Just gonna crown our November manager of the month while uh, while I'm on that screen as well. And that is Warren Graham uh, with 192 points, just pipping Andy Dewhurst into uh second place. Um now I mentioned earlier about the upcoming um issues that we may see. Um there is the African Cup of Nations um and the Asia Cup, both starting in game week 21. So maybe not completely imminent, but since we're in the middle of game week 19 at the moment, and you might be listening to this in the build-up to game week 20, but definitely something to bear in mind, especially if you've got Salah, Sun, Kudus, Wang, are probably the main the main players. But just just read up on who's going to be unavailable, and the biggest thing is not to bring them into your team in the next couple of weeks. Um, there's going to be a blank coming up as well. Um, For the Carabao Cup final, uh, I think that's in game week 26, so just a bit further down the line. Um, But semi-finalists, Liverpool are probably most likely to get to the final. Um, So, again, just a a watch out there. Um, And Chelsea as well, um, who made it through on penalties. Fulham, probably lesser lesser risk with your players coming up. But I think a few, few might have burnt Leno in goal. Um, in terms of teams to target in the next few weeks with the African Cup of Nations coming up, um, the issue with not having, sorry, a good thing about not having Salah or sun available is the fact that you should have enough money to spread around however you want. Howland's not quite back to full fitness yet. It looks like he's not going to be back until at least game week 21. So that would have been the simple move to bring him back in and, um, but really, we've got to wait, wait for that update. So you'll have a free free pick of all players. It's going to be an interesting month. You normally see the teams filled with the normal big hitters. Um, but any of the the mid-range players from City, Arsenal, Chelsea, Spurs and Villa um, is probably the best place to go um, with when spreading the funds as they have good fixtures as well as obviously being some of the best teams in the league. Um, Another note that after 19 games, um, you don't get a suspension for five yellow cards. So that will mean waiting the build up to game week 20 when this comes out. The majority of sides will be beyond that threshold. Uh, The only ones to watch out are the um, players that play for teams who've only played 18 games, which is Man City, Brentford, Luton and Bournemouth. So just, um, just be careful if you're going to bring any of their players in, if they're on that dreaded. Four yellow cards, as that's hit a few people quite hard in the last few weeks, including myself. Um the game week, oh, I've just got to mention as well the no Name never league. So um currently top of our podcasters league is last year's um runner up in the uh, in the main league, Say, Um 10 points clear of me with 1033 points. But the big shock in the head to head league. Natalie Bromley still leads the way and has managed to do the double over me this season. So uh, your next expert update might be coming from Natalie and not me. Then it will be doing if this carries on. So well done, Natalie. Um, Glad uh, you're having a good season. Uh, I think you're giving me enough grief for it. Um, Last thing today is the Game Week 20 deadline is on Saturday the 30th of December. Wishing you all a happy new year. And as always... Wishing you all green arrows. Up the Clarets.
1: Thanks, Adam. Now, of course, uh, just a reminder that the second half of the season, the FPL kicks off with Gaming 20 this weekend. There's no match on Friday evening in this set of fixtures, but there is one early kickoff on Saturday as Luton host Chelsea. and um, That's the Saturday lunchtime kickoff, which means the FPL deadline will be 11am on Saturday morning. Although the two final matches aren't played until 2024, which is Monday and Tuesday, this round of 10 matches will be the final matches that count towards December's totals. So, good luck and green errors to you all. That is all we've got time for in this preview show. Um, I hope you've enjoyed it and I hope you're going to stick around for 2024. We've got a little bit of tweaks to the Um, fixture and our recording schedule and some new features for you next season, hopefully a new streaming platform which will be more accessible for those of you who want to watch visually, including live broadcasts if you want to sit along and ask questions there and then, we would love to have you involved, so keep an eye out on social media we'll be posting our revised um, schedule in the new year best wishes to everybody travelling to Villa do hope you come back with something um, and you're rewarded with some points Um, other than that, we will see you in 2022 so best wishes for happy new year from everybody at team known and ever to you and your families Um, if you've got any comments questions feedback you know how to get in touch with us but otherwise we'll see you next time i've been natalie bromley this has been the preview show brought to you by the known and never podcast until next time the known and ever podcast is brought to you in association with the talk sport fan network our host and editor is natalie bromley and the show is produced by matt moss Our resident statistician is Dave Roberts and our FPL expert is Adam Dennett. The analysis show team is collectively Tom Whittaker, Rich Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby and Adam Dennett. Our music is provided by George Gaskell and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting nonanever.substack.com. Thanks as ever go to our partners, TalkSport. We are proud to be associated with the TalkSport fan network.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery.